0: Hey everybody, how's it going, guys? My name is Miles with Boyer, and uh, and y'all, this is the Photographic Collective Podcast. I uh, I'm excited for this episode. Over the last several episodes, you guys have gotten to hear me uh, really kind of ramp up not the caliber of speaker. We've always had like great guests in here, but the direction in which you're hearing this second season take and uh, and so today is sort of. A perfect example of where I'm really wanting us to go as a community, and so we're sitting today with uh, with John Branch. Um, Y'all, John is he's sort of taking the world by storm right now, and and it's a big deal to me that we get the opportunity to like candidly chat with John, who's who's a friend of mine. He's a fellow Fujifilm photographer, Um, but but outside of like our personal relationship, he has he has just absolutely it hit this massive come up in the last two years. And he's really set himself up for that in fascinating ways. And so I'm excited to dig into that. Um, John, before I like unleash you to the world, um, dude, I want to read... I, okay. So here's... Let me give you a, a backstory really quick. Um, anybody that's been listening to this episode or this uh, podcast for a little while remembers the episode that I did with Phil Porto right and and i i reached out to a bunch of phil's friends and said basically like hey can you write me can you drop me like a quick intro like just a quick bio on phil porto and i just thought it was appropriate cuz i know you and phil have been buddies for a long long time so i wrote yeah. phil and said like hey no casey and jojo lyrics here i need you to write <laughs> me a uh, a super fast bio on john branch and so here's what he says about you john branch is the perfect example of hard work paying off I met John years ago. He humbly explained that he loved what he did, but was having a hard time finding his voice. I asked him if I could mentor him and have him be part of my team. And he said, yes. In that time, I noticed a work ethic like none I've ever seen before in the industry. Anything I poured out, John soaked up and made it his own. I was never met with excuses or pushback, just a heart to learn and grow. What's even better is that his character was always superior to his work ethic. Over that time, I noticed that John became family, not just a team member. Even after John's time under my mentorship came into an end, he showed his character and his work ethic and, then, and is now a, a YouTube superstar. He still constantly gives credit to his mentor and has poured into me in return as I grow my YouTube channel. The Lord truly has made this guy fearfully and wonderfully. Dude. Slow clap. That was beautiful. <laughs> I feel like this would be the time to put foghorns in and officially say like, John, John Branch is on the podcast. okay i want to ask really quick first question for you though what does it feel like to have somebody talk about you like that
1: honestly it's 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 one of those weird kind of humbling but you also don't want to you know puff yourself up too much but it's it's nice because i can personally say that i know that i always put in like 150 percent in everything i do um so it's nice to have someone actually say it because usually in the position that I'm in, especially for someone who puts in 150 percent, you tend to never get recognized for it. Um, a great example of it actually was so I, I majored in audio production and I used to do post audio for like TV shows and commercials. And when I started working at this place, I started as an intern and they kind of put me in the position of like the toilet coffee guy. And I was always in that position. Even later, when I got hired on full time, I was still the toilet coffee guy and doing audio. But I would show up every morning to work like an hour early to clean the toilet so that when people started showing up to the studio, I wouldn't be cleaning. Everything would be cleaned already. And then I could start doing audio work with them. So no one told me to do that. I wasn't getting paid any extra to do it. I just was like, this makes the most sense. Let me come in and you know scrub these toilets. They sparkling toilets. You could eat off of them. You know they're so clean. <laughs> so it's it's that same kind of thing. Like I have always been like that. So it's it's cool to see someone recognize this because usually you know I do it and no one cares. They're like, great, the toilets are clean. I guess like yeah, no yeah. One's somebody somebody did that, praises over clean toilets.
0: You know, <laughs> dude. I, okay, so. I think that actually teases up for this conversation so beautifully well. Cause the reason I wanted to reach to Phil for that is because I there's a few guests and you being honestly a, a, a perfect example. There's a few guests that I've wanted to have, have on this podcast for quite a while, but what I didn't want this to feel like was just like bro time. Yeah. Right. Like I, 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 like just inside jokes. I, we've all heard those podcasts and they're horrible. Right. <laughs> but Dude, I, I think what, what just happened, honestly, is is like it's the truth. It's this perspective on who John Branch not is today, but has been. Yeah. You know, like who has John Branch been? And then just because like you just heard about him doesn't mean that he hasn't already been. Um, and that's such a that's such a powerful perspective. I think it I think anybody listening to this podcast. As I start to kind of chat in and we talk about John's like backstory, I want you to take that perspective with you into all of the photographers that you look up to because so many times I think we, we tend to have this like perspective on people that's like, man, they're like overnight just blew up. But the reality is like, dude, I get the feeling from you that you've been training for success since you were a kid.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Working at it hard every day um okay so dude so so back me up to there like we don't have to go back to adolescent years that that could be awkward we can when i was a young boy (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah hit me with please don't tell me that you picked up a camera for the first time at 11 years old but but okay so when when did this happen for you like early on for you when did you decide that that just like serving people
1: creatively was going to be the outlet yeah that's um that's actually that's the best way to put the question to not photography because photography for me came kind of later in my journey. I think what came early on was my creativity in general. Cause again, I majored in like music stuff and this like need to make things as great as I could. So the hard work and ethic, and then also just, just want of like sharing information and teaching, um, which that is kind of what built into the YouTube side of things. So I always was trying to teach my peers about different techniques of like making music and stuff. That was a normal thing for me. Um, And even when I was doing it, there was no purpose on my end. It was just like, I figured out these things. It's great. You want to see this too? Wow. Um, And that was early on. Actually, yeah, (laughs) I, I haven't even thought about some of this stuff. So in high school, this is right before I started getting into music production. A friend of mine Found this program called Fruity Loops, which anyone who's ever tried to make music has probably heard of it before. Um, But it's just a a digital audio workstation program you can make music in. People were making it for techno music. My friend found it. So, you know, he was like, ha ha, this is so cool. Look at what I found. And I, like, immediately picked it up and immediately was, like, better than all my friends. Just, like, (laughs) like that, like making songs and stuff. We were making stupid albums and things and um, but that turned into turning it back. So rather than being like, ha you showed me how to do this and now I'm better than you. It was like peer to peer, let me show you what I learned while I figured it out. And it started from there. Um, photography came in later in life. I always tell this story. It was when my, um, me and my wife started having kids. Um, when we had our first child, she wanted to stay home and I was like, that's awesome. But I need another job. And she was like, no, you need to start a business. And at the time Don't. I was dabbling with photography. Yeah. It was, There's <laughs> that was ultimatum like, no, right won't. there. <laughs> no, uh, nay, sir. I was like, Oh, okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Let me do um, that.
1: So yeah, I, I was dabbling with photography. I always thought it was cool, but I would never in my life would say I was a photographer. Um, but a lot of people noticed they're like, Hey, your composition and stuff's pretty decent. And that was just like natural talent. Like I had no idea what I was doing. So then I was like, well, I like photography. It's pretty cool. I think I can make money doing it. So then I took a year to really sit down and like, let me understand what I'm doing. Um, and that, that was really how photography started. I always feel bad because everyone has these like beautiful stories of how they're an artist and stuff. And I'm like, I was trying to feed my family. <laughs> you know, and I, I was okay at photography. You know,
0: what's fascinating to me though is like, I mean, not to, not to bounce that back on you, but to like say that slower back to you you feel bad cuz you were trying to feel, feed your family right like this is this it's such a funny thing to me in this industry because everybody wants to have this like oddly romanticized version of their of their come up like the moment that the camera reached off of the shelf and and grabbed their soul and would not let go yeah, the light came down yeah exactly but like <laughs> I think the the thing that hurts most, uh, I, I would say most. I think a lot of people in this industry is the fact that they are constantly trying to find their romantic story, right? Like, yeah. when is Nicholas Sparks going to write my bio? And and dude, like so many people, they they they've come at this like you have, man. They they've said like, hey, you know what I love to do? I love to just create stuff. Exactly. Like, I just like to do stuff with my hands, and. And how many times have you heard this, this sentence, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm not an artist because I'm crappy at painting, but I picked up a camera and I'm like, man, I I hear that all the time. I'm like, it's just, it's just, you found something that your hands could do and you, and you, you know, like the camera is the original fidget spinner, you know? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, okay. So you, you come up through music, and uh, and your wife drops this heavy ultimatum on you that's like, <laughs> it's time to start a business.
1: Um, Where did you start shooting? Like, where where was your heart early on? It was always, I think it was always in people. I've yeah. always been a, I call it like a, I play a support role, which is why customer service always came naturally to me. I've been doing customer service for years and years. So I did dabble in a lot of other styles of photography, but but people immediately was natural for me. Um, so I was pretty much engagement and wedding from the start. I tried some stuff, you know, I tried uh, newborn, which that was bad because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Shooting a newborn with like a like a six week old or like so it was they were too old they were moving too much and I was just like what am I doing? And oh, buddy, I have some stories of that stuff. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, newborn is rough. will you shoot my newborn? Like, yeah.
0: How old are they? They're three months old. I'm like, okay, sure. yeah, oh, no. this is gonna be a seven hour long session. They're just laying. <laughs> <laughs> man, I have some of the worst experiences in my professional career on the other side of a baby, man. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so here's, here's the interesting thing for me is, um, we're going to get there. Like this last year, I think for you has been this, this sort of pivotal, um, this pivotal moment of kind of like, all right, all of this was for something. Yeah. And, and my question always in that stuff is, and like I said, we're going to get here is then what comes next? Because there's so much pressure that shows up on you when you have this moment of success. Yeah. <laughs> but between the time that you pick up a camera and you basically say like, Hey, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot weddings. I'm going to shoot engagements. I think this is like the type of thing that a lot of people that listen to this can really relate to. There's this feeling of insecurity in the sense that like, I, I, everybody now wants to call it imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. But the, the truth is, it's just this insecurity and the fact that like what you see in front of you is not what your camera is doing.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: how long did it take for you to start taking, oh my like God. creating work to where you were like, hey, actually that's kind of good.
1: It, it, ah oh, you're, the, the best questions, because honestly, that took me like six, almost seven years. And as a creative, too, and it's something you deal with in any art at all. It's like you always – you know what good is, and you just can't do it. Yeah. And you're like, why? And you're always like, I'm just – there's just something missing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like years, five to six years. And finally – even even recently, um, I did a, a a little video teaser after I got the Range Finder 30 Rising Stars, and I just put a bunch of my photos up. You know, made like a quick kind of slideshow, like you know, one frame just hitting all the pictures. And I was looking at it like, wow, like I actually am not so bad a photographer. Because even till this day, I'm still kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's okay, I guess.
0: I was, I was, and this is, this is me just being like super transparent. But I always have a hard time comparing myself to people that are nothing like me. Do you do that? Like, I compare yeah. myself to these creative freaks that are like, like fair, right? That's, I always yeah. use that as an example, right? Where I'm like, man, I could never see composition the way that fair sees composition. Yeah. And so then I look at my work and I'm like, it's so two-dimensional. It's so flat. The compositions are so easy. And then I see his stuff and I'm like, God, the guy is just a nut job. Like he's a complete like (laughs) savant of composition. But it's hard for me to to remember or like realize that also my clients aren't hiring fair. They're hiring me. Yeah. Right? So like my good is good. It's okay. Like it's okay to kind of be where I'm at and kind of be in my own journey
1: there a little. Um, Exactly. It's definitely the hardest thing to take into just, just to realize like, and it's something I talk about with music, like when there's a producer you like, you can hear them in their music regardless. So like you and your art will always be you. And what we have to separate ourselves from sometimes is realizing that what we're seeing in someone else's art is them. So it's not that our work's not as good. That's just them. Yeah. And that's how they're expressing themselves, and we just have to be okay with ourselves, I guess. Dude, I
0: love that. it exactly. Like you have to get to a point where you're good with you. Now, yeah. I'll, I'll say this: I, I've I've been following your work now for um, it's got to be probably close to three years, um, from the first time really that somebody was like, you know, have you seen John Branch? And and you know what I was what I was intrigued by. I want to I want to encourage you with this too, like like live or as live as we can get here. <laughs> Because I know you've been saying, like you said the other day, that you were battling your branding, right? Like you were kind of like yeah. fighting through this concept, like who is, who is John Branch now? And why is it that I can visualize it, but somebody else can't like get that? Dude, yeah. the first thing that struck me about you, and, and I think a lot of it has to do, honestly, with just the strength in your name. But the first thing that struck me was like your work three years ago, I thought was beautiful. But it really was the like the courage, the boldness to who you are that I was like, all right, this guy's coming like and i and he shoots the same camera that I do, so I better get a <laughs> better level up um okay, so so that that actually segues us pretty well though so how did the how did the relationship with Fujifilm show up then?
1: That was um, I think I wasn't I can't remember if it was Phil shouting me out, but my name started coming up a lot which is when they reached out to me because they were trying to re-up on all of their creatives because they just haven't really done much in a while. Um, and that was kind of like the start of my trajectory. It was actually crazy because that that whole year, I think that was 2020, and just around that time is when everything just started taking off, where it was yeah. like the YouTube picked up. I was shooting articles for the New York Times. Uh, Fujifilm hit me up, and it was so funny because – I, like, I swear to you, like a year before, I was like, man, I want to be an ex-photographer. How do I even get in contact with Fujifilm? And the next thing I know, I'm sitting there talking to Stacy. like, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> Because, how often do so yeah, you get that question everyone started talking and it was like job John 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 I, I know that's what i was doing
0: but no i mean because <laughs> i was i was on the team just um like not even a full generation like a half a generation before you right mm-hmm. um and people that are listening that don't quite understand how that works you, you you hinted at this like fujifilm had this major um kind of like revelation that was sort of like Okay, our pro team is so they're so talented, but they're not super active. And so, yeah. like, let's let's sort of like modernize, maybe make things a little bit more relevant. And they started doing that with with the guys like like Paul Van Reeder and he, and Allison Conklin, and like yep. this whole like collection of talent that was super cool. And like Brian Meneer is like the, the goat; he's been there oh, forever, goodness. right? So I know it's it's unfair. And then I was kind of the next, the next like stepping stone. Right. And they gave yeah. me the opportunity. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what this means. And then right about the time, I kind of felt like I was like, okay, all right, I kind of, I kind of have a home here. Then they brought you in. And, and dude, I mean, you were a, and I don't know, I've never, I don't know if you've ever heard you say this, but you were a disruptor. Like, <laughs> And that, I mean that is such a compliment. but like your work is so disruptive, man. Like the way that you see things is just so counter to say, like, hey, everybody's shooting on the edge of a mountaintop or like the the side of a cliff, well, not John Branch.
1: Yeah
0: <laughs> um and and I think that's that's bold. Where does that? courage come from for you compositionally to just see things and it it almost feels to me like it's intentional. Like you're looking at things and saying like this is different than other people would shoot it. So I'm gonna shoot it.
1: <laughs> you know, I never I never stopped to think about it, but it 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 is kind of intentional. Um wow yeah the more the more we talk about it all the subjects are just lining up because earlier I was saying the art is you that that is me. I've always been a very counter person i always like to be the different one standing out um a great random example is like when i was in high school i used to uh take a like a like a long tube sock and i would cut it and wear it on my arm on like one arm to just be like random like totally different than everybody else i used to dye my hair with the blonde kit so it would turn like orange so you know like and i was cool with standing out like that so composition is kind of the same point I always had a pet peeve where I would go to wedding venues and it'd be like, Oh, take the picture here. And there's a great spot here. And then no, I'm going over here. And I can remember seeing even the venue managers being like, no one's ever thought to take a photo here. And then they look at the photo and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to, I want to do something you've never seen. I want to. You're asking the wedding planner to
0: please, can we please move all these hypodermic needles? Cause I really want to shoot right here. Exactly. <laughs> like, But no, that guy sleeps here. Well, can we move him just for a few minutes? <laughs> I just, I need something different. Yeah. I always want to stand out. I just think it's, I think it's powerful. I think it says a lot about your couples too. Because it, it takes a lot of courage. Um, not just for you. Like for you as the creative, that's fantastic. And the fact that you're like starting to get... Um, obviously like the accolades that you deserve for the work that you've put in. I think that's like, that comes without, without saying, but it takes a lot of courage for a couple to hire somebody that, um, that is this counter to what is like, I hate to say that on trend because your work is very on trend. It's very relevant and modern, but, but your, your eye is very unique. Um, and so, so who would like, when you reach out to these couples or they reach to you what What is that? What's that relationship like for you? I ask that to everybody because I'm such a nut about client experience yeah. and like getting to know my clients and not from a stupid, like cheesy yeah. questionnaire perspective that I don't read. Right. But from like an actual, like, who are you and, and why does my work matter to you? So, so what's that, what's that like for you to, to work with these people that are willing to trust you to do stuff that's just very different.
1: It's really cool like a lot of my couples we end up having really really cool relationships even after the weddings. I um I tend to explain it to them as well as like um like when you work in like a corporate setting or something and you have you know like a team of people and you always go for like outings cuz it's a part of the job and they make you do it forced um, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which can be good and bad. So the the kind of relationship I have with my couples I would say is like that like a work buddy that you're cool with and you can go to a work outing with. But then when you're done, you're like, okay, I'm going home, you know, and like so you have the natural good amount of space, but you also don't mind being around them. And because of that, it turns into like my couples wholeheartedly trusting me. And like like you were saying, like it takes courage because these couples, I mean, I'll be like, let's shoot in this dingy alleyway. And everyone they know and the bridal party and everybody's like, what are you doing? And they're like, John said to take it, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's where we sit. We're that close, where it's just like, whatever I say it goes, regardless of anyone else at the wedding, oh. which is always so cool. I have a couple, um, oh, I have so many stories. So just to talk about relationships, because I I put a big emphasis on like treating my couples like people not just dollar signs so an unfortunate story um I had a couple who was supposed to get married in 2020 um, but the groom had cancer like stage four just horrible um he did end up passing but one thing that I felt really good about and this is what shows you the relationship so generally my contract you know if there's a booking fee it's non-refundable yeah. but when 2020 went sideways, Um, When a couple needed it, I was like, here's a full refund, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were one of the couples who I went to go personally see and hand the money to them. Um, And then like a month or so later, he passed. But I feel so much better as a person that I can have a relationship with my couples like that, where it's not like John was stingy about the deposit because on the contract. And then, you know, my husband died. And here I am fighting my photographer for stupidness when I could go face to face and meet with him again and get to see him one last time and have a nice conversation, you know, like, that's what I want my couples. This is not, this is not a business in the sense of like, all I care about is the money. Like actually, and I could go on forever about this, but really weddings for me is a way for me to bring my art into your wedding. And, you know, regardless of, you know, divorces and things, because sometimes there's definitely reasons to get divorced. I want to be a like a staple or like an anchor to your wedding so that if and when it gets hard, you can look at those pictures and feel it and be like, let's stick this out because we know we were meant for each other. And John captured that and I can see it. I can feel it. Through this. So that that's really my approach. So I... Again, I I refunded almost too much in 2020 because I was just like, I can't let y'all be out here like that. I mean, like, I think I it says it.
0: so much about you, though. I, I dude, I've been saying for years that like the right wedding photographer will save a marriage. But but that's if it's because you know what people don't grasp, they they just have no no concept for, it. especially early on in a in a photographer's like career. So often we see ourselves as like filling all these stereotypical roles. Right, And so we sell ourselves to our clients as like, we're protecting your memories. And man, I've said this, I'm like a broken record with this, but like, no, we're not. We're capturing our memories. True. Right? I'm shooting my camera through my eye, from my perspective, my vantage. I don't get to be the bride. Right? So like, my memories aren't her memories. So if I don't have enough proximity to her, and if I don't have enough respect for her and enough empathy for her and vice versa... Yeah. to allow me to be right there to share those feelings with her, then, then all she gets is a whole gallery, a whole collection full of my memories. And that's not to say that that's not valuable, but it's not nearly as valuable. But but I think there's a two-way street there, right? The, the, the other, like the reciprocation of humanizing people that intentionally is that when 2020 happens... You know, when people are hurting and trying to re- figure out how to, how to get on with their lives and they're struggling financially and, and you as a photographer have literally become a burden to their life. Yeah. It's like, at what point are you willing to say like, my burden is worth more than your burden? And, uh, and so, dude, I think it just says an incredible amount about like, like Phil said early on about you, that like your character is, is the type of thing that like you of course your couples can trust you because, yeah. because you, you back up who you're, who you're going to be, like what you say you are. So, okay. That, that leads us then, man, this, this is perfect. You've been one of the, 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 the guys, I'm going to say this as delicately as I can, but I'm going to ruffle feathers no matter how I say it. So I'm just going to say it the vast majority of YouTube personalities are not talented artists. They're people that have figured out a way to have an opinion that people want to hear. And so they've stopped working. And that's a really bold statement. And I, and I hope I don't just like grossly offend the whole world by saying that. But like, I, it, it's it's no different for me to say like, you know, a lot of times when you, when you run into, like you meet a college professor and there are people, right, that were like, they were, they were really working and then they fell in love with teaching and the teaching took over and the work had to kind of slow down. Let's call it yeah. that, right? Well, dude, you've taken over YouTube completely. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. You have actually taken over YouTube while also, you know, parallel trajectory been in the the biggest couple of years of your career. Yeah. So how did of all things, while the rest of the world was trying to prioritize Instagram and and not realizing that it was you know like dying the way it is? Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's a wasteland, isn't it? Anybody was the worst. Um, how is it that you decided, like right at the right time, to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep my life over. I'm gonna I'm gonna really kind of show up on
1: on YouTube. Yeah, that was. Especially the right timing. I don't know how that even happened. Um, I I had a history of YouTube before. Um, I had a channel where I was doing music production, sound design okay. stuff, um, which that one ended up getting around 8,000 subscribers. But this was like back in the golden age of YouTube where you could put anything up and make mad money. Yeah. I wasn't doing it like that back then. Um, I was just making videos because, again, I just had this natural urge to want to teach others. So I had like a little drip of YouTube in me already. And when I moved from New York back to North Carolina, which that's a whole nother story because me and my wife literally just dipped. I had no job. That's when I went full time wedding photography. Um, I just was like, you know what? I love YouTube. I'm just going to try and make videos. I had no idea for anything. Actually, no, I always tell this story. My my initial goal with YouTube was I was trying to get hired by companies like Honeybook or PickTime or something to do videos for their um their knowledge base. Okay. Cause I was doing stuff like that at Squarespace. They had a video team and I was doing it there, which that also helped me learn some more stuff like screen recording and things. So I had like a video kind of background so I first started trying to do that. So if you go back to my early videos, you'll see they're very like extra corporate like this is how you use HoneyBook. Um, and I was trying to do that and they never hired me. I actually interviewed and everything.
0: They, were like, <laughs> and they, nah. they
1: forgot. I went and visited them and they were like, you interviewed? And I was like, yeah, I interviewed with you all a couple of times. But, Man, I'm going to um, send this episode over to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, oh, turned actually, too, so. they turned me away. Actually, it was good that they turned me away because that's what made me start doing youtube Mm -hmm. so i was like okay this is not really working no one's really taking it so i'm just gonna make videos you know i'm probably not gonna make money whatever made a couple videos and i had one video blow up and it pushed me into the youtube partner program which is where you start getting money and i was like Mm -hmm. oh okay well i guess i'll try to at least do one video a week and then here we are i don't know how that happened but the timing was perfect because it was like the end of 2018 when i started so i had a whole year and then 2020 happened. And from that point, I had another video at the beginning of that year that blew up also. And then, yeah, it just started compounding on itself.
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's an interesting thing to say it out loud because I think, again, like if there if there had never been Instagram, I'm not sure that any of us would use the word influencer so interchangeably with uh but I also think I, I think that for for as good as it is that we finally have a title for that type of thing, I think yeah. what what went wrong was people now use content creator in exchange for artist. Um, right. Like I, I that, that makes me sort of sad, if I'm honest. Yeah. But but it's funny to me and uh, and and almost sad that I never jumped on the, the wagon, man. But like while everybody was jumping up on Instagram and it just exploding, YouTube became, it, it, it shifted from this sort of like black market way that you could make a little bit of money here and there into like actual business, like real businesses happening over on YouTube, actual education. And I love that you're like, a, you're a pretty affluent part of that community. Um, And I would, so I would go as far as to say, like, I think that you you're not just like a YouTube personality now. Like your your content is actually serving people. Like it's actually it's actually you know solving problems in people's lives. And that's a that's an enormous again like an enormous amount of pressure to take on. How how do you juggle the timelines? Because I oh let me goodness. let me preface that question by saying <laughs> this. I know you're a part of like our my my uh, Facebook group, where, but dude, I just get hammered all the time, right? Like I'll po- I'll post something out there that's like you know hey mindset Monday get up, get active, right? And not, like the, the top three comments are always like, I don't have time. And I, I was yeah. kind of laughing because I'm like, man, you have as much time as anybody else. Your days aren't shorter. Exactly. You're just really crappy at spending, you know? So how does a guy like you that is, that's running, I don't know, it sounds to me like you've got at least 18 different things happening <laughs> in your life at any given time, and you're a dad and your husband... How do you prioritize what is important
1: at any given time? that is that is honestly the hardest, the hardest part. Um I have always been good at what I call juggling. I don't know if I have like ADHD or something, but I'm really good at like doing multiple things at the same time and keeping them afloat. Um, but aside from that, honestly, like my wife's a big, big part of me having the time as well. We have a very like what I would call like traditional household where she takes on most of the housework and then I kind of come on the back end of that as well. Um, We also homeschool our kids. So there's all of that also, but it's a, it's a very weighted system where we're both taking our roles because I make all the money. So I do all the money stuff. She helps with the kids mainly. And then we kind of vice versa kind of help out where we can. And yeah, after that, it's, It's just hard juggling because at this point, what happened to me, especially in 2021, was wedding photography was going well and YouTube blew up at the same time. But then YouTube got to a place where it was just it was almost too much. I didn't realize it was going as well as it was. So then I started having like sponsored videos. So it turned into, you know, you can make videos whenever and whatever. And if you miss a video a week, it doesn't matter. Versus now every month you have at least two to three videos you have to make because someone's paying you for it. And you have wedding couples emailing you and you have new increase. And I I don't have a team yet. It's just me. Um, I just now hired on an editor for my videos and he's doing like 80% of the videos. So I'm still finishing the videos myself, but yeah, 2021 was rough because it was just like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's, already february 30th and you have two sponsored videos you have to make and i'm like oh i haven't even recorded them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and that was every month and then there was a couple who was like hey did you finish editing our photos and mm-hmm. hey did you have a chance to uh work on our album and chain make the changes we wanted yeah it's see so, yeah, i just i grasp at the time <laughs> okay man this <laughs> stuff make it somehow
0: this stuff's so powerful for people to hear then so because because the the reality is like everybody wants to delegate too quickly, right? Like yeah. everybody wants to, that, that's the that's the thing that like maybe you've waited too long, but most people want to do it too quick, right? They're like, hey, the moment you book six weddings, make sure you have an editor. Also make sure you have an album designer and a CRM and don't reply to your own emails and make sure somebody's doing your social media management. And like before you <laughs> before you notice, like know it, it's like, well, I just charged $6,000 for
1: that wedding. Why do I only have $11 in my bank account? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. I talk about that all the time too. It's just like, you're running a bit. You have to think about your business too. You can't just, well, I don't want to have to work too much. You, you're You're going to have to to work lifting at first. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, You're going to have to work. Okay. So, so this is where like, this is my favorite part of like these conversations because we start to get to the meat. Like we've got the backstory. We kind of have a sense of like who you are, but like, we start to get to the meat of like, okay, these are, this is like John as a human right? Like this is, this is flawed John, not, not YouTube, not (laughs) YouTube personality, John, (laughs) but like, this is flawed. This is John takes on too much crap. Give us some advice then, man. Like what, what is one way then that you are able to, to close out your week and not, and not, you know, hit Saturday, just so angsty and stressed out.
1: I don't, I don't know if this is good advice or not. Um, Or if, if I like have issues, (laughs) but, but I just, I, I have a, I'm a very, I'm a big person on like boundaries and I don't know if it's like too much, but I have like thresholds. And I think it's because I'm like a half and half introvert. I wouldn't totally call myself an introvert, but I do like my own time. And there's like thresholds of like, you know, I have a family. My family matters to me. So people text me and it's like, you're waiting for two days. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, like, yeah. and that's, I I do feel bad a lot of times, but I will just not, I just won't. Um, Sundays I've dedicated to like, I don't do anything, no emails, nothing. I don't check it. Um, and I've gotten really good. And again, maybe it's a bad habit of literally being like, text message. Great. I'll get to you when I do. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, I don't have that immediate feel of like, I have to do this. I just, I just never... You know, I literally and I the the downside of that is a lot of times I'm behind. So when I do sit down to work, I can't just focus in and be like, okay, I'm going to do these things because it's usually like there's a pile of this and there's a pile of that and there's a pile of this and there's a pile of that. What are you going to do first? And you're like, I don't I don't know, because it's so much. So let me just try, you know, and then I get to Saturday and it's like, yeah, you haven't done what you're supposed to do. But I don't know. I just I just trust that I'll get it done you know, like that it'll, it'll all be okay. And yeah, I think,
0: I think again, I think that just says a lot about you as a person, man, I, I've started telling my clients um, and just trying to be bold with them about the fact that it's like, Hey, if you text me on a Sunday, I'm going to hit Monday morning. And by the time I hit Monday morning, I'm usually in a wind sprint. Like I get up and I get after it. And I've got edits to do. I want to take a long run today. I've got email backlog. I'm gonna do a podcast record. Like I've got so many things. If you text me yep. on Sunday, there's a solid chance that I'm gonna forget to write you back. So you actually you're better exactly. off. Exactly. Like you're better off writing a post-it note yourself as a client and saying like text Miles tomorrow because because yeah I've had to set those those kind of professional boundaries because the other side of it is um, I, I I'm trying to think of who this was. I know I was on, it may have been Pai but it may have also been, been Hartley. But I was, I was on a podcast with one of these guys, it's just brilliant guys that said, uh, they said this and it like, it hit me. It really resonated. Where They were like, why is it that it, we're always asking the people that we love the most to be the most patient with us? Yeah. Like it's exactly. so uncomfortable for us, right? To be like, hey, hey, clients, hey, people that are paying for my talent, it's so uncomfortable for us to say like, please be patient, please understand, please be respectful, and that's so awkward and uncomfortable. But for some reason, it's easy for us to like, look at our children that are growing up and be like, hey, I'm sorry that I'm missing your childhood. I'm sorry that I'm yeah. traveling again. I'm sorry. Like, but, you know, deal with it. Daddy's got to work. Um, and it sounds to me like you've kind of got your, your head on straight, even though it
1: sounds like you're super spastic. I want to get up there and like help you clean up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually uh, my, I used to break dance back in the day but my problem my really name was spaz that okay. was that was <laughs> all right um
0: yeah clickbait here if you click over to miles's youtube channel i'm gonna have an exclusive video of john branch breakdancing. here <laughs> that's not true
1: um dude okay
0: okay I, i'm hilarious
1: oh but so on that note too uh, like with just making your your family have to wait like i can remember so when i first started the business, I was still working a day job at Squarespace and also doing wedding photography on the weekends. Um, That's when I wasn't taking Sundays off. I would just work and work and work and work. And I can remember when my daughter, she's like seven now, but I can remember because I'd have to commute to work. So I'd wake up earlier than everyone gets up. And I come home late when everyone's asleep. And then I'd have, you know, like team outings at Squarespace. so I'd be gone all night. And then I have weddings in the week. And I can remember clearly, like, I can vividly remember coming home. And having her look like a totally different person, you know, like that first year of yeah. life, kids grow so much. Mm-hmm. So, like two to three days, I haven't seen her, and just like she just looks like a totally different. And I'm like, oh my god, like yeah. when did you grow this much? You look totally different. So yeah, for me now, it's like I'm I'm sorry, like I'm gonna take the days off, even even if I'm swamped with work, I'm just gonna let it simmer in the background, and I'm I'm I know I'm gonna take care of it. Mm. Okay.
0: okay, all right, so. So switch gears with me here then before we start talking about, I want to get to all the rangefinder stuff like this last six months for you have just been mammoth, right? Um, outside of the YouTube thing, now moving kind of more into you as a photographer, but what, what has been just cause I'm curious and I want to see like from your perspective, what's been the one YouTube video that you've created, um, that you that like you personally have been the most proud of. Not the one that has been like the explosion, but the one that yeah. you've sat back and been like, that has me all over it.
1: I'd probably say it's some of my full wedding day videos. Probably the most recent one I have, which is um of a couple Shamir and Keegan. It's the groom he has the orange yeah, uh, yes. suit on. Yeah. But I I put a lot of time because those videos may seem like, wow, he's giving us free information. I put a lot of time in those videos. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of other people, when they do full wedding day videos, it's very much just like, here's my GoPro and hear Mm -hmm. me talking about it. If you really watch those videos, I like, and again, this must be the musician in me, but I like pick music for every scene that's happening in the wedding. And I fade it nicely into the next scene, Mm -hmm. you know, like. When the bride is getting on her dress with her mom, it's like a nice, somber, like, feely song. And when the yeah. couple's having a party, you know, it's like it's a more upbeat. And I I go through and, like, that's the majority. So, like, those videos, the full wedding day videos are really, like, a work of love. And even from a YouTube perspective, if you think about it, like, I could uh, probably turn those into courses, you know? Yeah, Um, They're literally like two to three hours long. Mm -hmm. But here I'm just like, here it is for free, which again, that's just kind of how I am. And I do plan on making a course, which when I do, it will be much more detailed than those videos. But I just like to teach and show things. So that's like a very like baseline, like this is me, this is what I do. And when I do it, I'm not just gonna be like, here's some stuff, like I'm gonna make it a nice experience and make the music all nice and make you feel it yourself.
0: Man, that's really that's really cool. It's super relevant for me right now. So, you know, we're launching into this whole the the photo co university program right now, where I'm like building this massive curriculum out. And a big part of that curriculum is that it pairs with. Like each module pairs with a protocol, like a training protocol. And each protocol tra- pairs with a guest speaker and a book that I've read that coordinates with, you know, kind of what I've learned and in, in, in all these things. And all of that for me was, I'm not going to say it was easy. It's been an incredible amount of work, right? But yeah. but it it was the type of thing where it was like, I was able to sit down with pen and paper and piece it all together. But man, we're shooting, I'm shooting today, actually this afternoon. I, I've got a... Um, I've got a shoot and I've got uh, Jared is coming to do a whole BTS video. And dude, the fact that you, you're right. The fact that you just give those away is wild. Cause it is, it's a sick amount of work yeah, and it's, it's so, so much wild. more work. It's so much more work than just being like, not to degrade this. I've got some of my friends who are some of the most talented wedding videographers I've ever known, right? Like these people are unbelievable, but, but they have a very clear job to do, right? It's like, yeah. show up, document the wedding okay, cool. And then yeah, like the edit down is so hard and it's so intensive, but then like to do it behind the scenes, like to do it where it's like, we've got, we're juggling like, okay, well, I do want you to focus on the couple, but I also, and the posing and the prompts, but I also want you to focus on the direction and the instruction, the composition, Mm -hmm. the, and I'm like, Man, it's a lot. I, I I already can tell you that Jared is like like shaky because he's like, okay, how how is this coming together? Like, it better come together well because I promised the whole world that this thing is going to be dope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and Then you
1: have to get home and be like, I hope the footage was okay. Oh, can't go back and do it again.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing that we committed with everybody was like all of these shoots that we're, that we're filming. They were all going to be like I hate styled shoots. It's so it's yeah. so easy to make something perfect when it's not real. Um, and so okay. the thing that we committed with everybody was like, Hey, you're going to get the, you're going to get a chance to come behind the scenes with me on an engagement shoot or on a wedding or whatever, but it's going to be real. So like, you're going to see me stutter. You're going to see me trip over my own ideas. You're going to see, mm-hmm. like, you're going to watch those failures happen. Oh, um, so, okay. Well, I was just interested. Was, like, I'm just intrigued, man. Cause it, you do have this very, um, you have this really approachable persona to you that's not overly polished. And I love that. Like, I love the fact that you're willing to say like, man, I'm just John and I don't know. <laughs> like that works for the people that are paying me. And so if you're not paying me, that's all right. If it doesn't work for you, like, um, so. Okay, so so this year you, uh, you won the Rising 30. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, come on dude that's a big like that's a major accolade that's
1: a huge deal I'm still um, surprised it even happened I'm yeah I think I'm still in shock so I'm always just kind of like I won it I guess <laughs> I mean
0: okay first things first congrats um thank you thank you but but secondly like I I, I think this is interesting though cuz I think people need to need to connect these dots so if, if people that listen to the last episode with Don Jarvis we were talking a little bit about the fact that, like, a lot of people that win this award or win an award that's similar, right? Like, they win a Fearless mm-hmm. Award or they win whatever. Um, although, I would I would say personally, this is like the largest mm. currently in the industry. Like, this is yeah. this is the Academy Award. But but anyway, a lot of people that win this, they're not prepared for it, and so their um, their fan base um, shifts like drastically shifts overnight, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like. They've only ever had 2,000 Instagram followers, but all of those people have been brides and clients and guests and friends and, you know, whatever. And then suddenly they win this award and they jump to 30,000, but now 28,000 of those people are photographers. And it's like, man, everything has to shift about who you're talking to and why you're talking to it. And um, we were talk- we were just observing the fact that like, not only is it a lot of pressure, but also it's... Uh, it's got to be like a, a very intentional thing. If you're not careful, you just lost you lost what made you special. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that you were probably more poised. That's why you say you were surprised. I'm not. I actually think you were probably more poised, like more deserving of this award than nearly anybody that's won it in the last several years. Just because even though your work is clearly beautiful, you were already pouring into the industry. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. you were already relevant. So, but what does that, what's that process feel like? I mean, you know, we've, we've done WPPIs together. We've hung out in Vegas. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, shout out to that time I went and, uh, and bought a swimsuit so I could sit by the next to the pool for, <laughs> by you for two hours before I caught a plane with a wet swimsuit in my bag. It was so fun. So good. <laughs> but, but, I mean, what's that, what does that process feel like?
1: I don't even know how to explain it because yeah, it's especially with um, just like who's following you and stuff. I mean, it, it was kind of a stressful process in general, just like applying for it and everything. And it's a really, um, I guess, eye opening process, too. That's what I was kind of talking about earlier, like sitting back and really looking at my work, and, you know, when they're like, hey, give us 30 of your best photos from weddings. But it can't be the same weddings and it needs to be different parts of the wedding. And it really makes you like dig into yourself and your work. And it, it made me take a step back. And again, I still, every day was like, I'm really not that great of a photographer, but after sitting there and doing it, it's honestly, honestly, it's a process. I feel like all photographers should do, especially if you're on that level of like, I don't like my work or like, why is my work not good? Go back and find 30 of your best photos, you know, not from the same wedding, and also different parts of the wedding day. So, you know, your reception, your first look, your getting readies, your candid photos of the guests, like, sit there and find it. And then just look at it. Because it, it totally changed my whole perspective. Because I went from being like, I'm really not that good to being like, wow, like, when did I even do this? Like, my work is Pretty good, like it's not so bad, and you know, like all the people you look up to, you. I'll never look like that, but then when you sit there and look at the thirty, just like defining photos, it's it's a it's a a good product. Everyone should do it, even if you're just starting. After you get like two to three weddings under your belt, I mean, I haven't. Everybody everybody should do it. Kind of like crazy.
0: And I, and I mean this sincerely mean this, I had this like the crazy kind of, uh, I don't know if I'd call it an honor, but maybe a privilege to see a lot of your submission photos before, before you sent it in um, oh, yeah. because you sent over to, so, so guys that are listening, we have this sort of text thread, this group um, with a lot of people I've already mentioned, Paul and Paul Van Reeder and, and Brian Meneer and Allison Conklin and Phil Porto and John Branch and I, and, so you sent a, a lot of these photos over, right? And we were all yeah. kind of like picking them apart and being like, you know, I love this one. I think this one's too repetitive. I think this, but I remember sitting back. I, I love the way you just put that because I remember sitting back and being like, okay, my whole experience with John has been, and I've seen several photographers go through this process now and I've helped several photographers go through the like, sorry, puppy break. <laughs> um I've seen several photographers kind of like pour over, like how do they pick it, right? But um, I remember sitting back and looking at your work and being like, man, I, I know John's work in the one-off. Like I like give me give me one image out of 15, I can tell you which one is John's. And give me one yeah. image out of 30 and I think I could tell you which one is John's. And give me one image out of 50 and I bet I could tell you which one is John's. But like... To see a whole collection of your work like that, I sat back and I was like, dang, this guy's got it. Like the full day, like this guy has not, it's not about the consistency. It's this cohesion. That's like this, this glue that, that molds it together. And you said it early on, the art is you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it was neat for me to be able to say like, I don't know you that intimately, but I was looking through your work and it's why I think your clients feel the, the ability to trust you. Because I was looking through your work and I was like, man, I can see that glue. Like that's, that's powerful. And what's interesting is in the past, every time I've done that, that process with other photographers, my big, my big bounce back typically has been like, Hey, there's just a ton of inconsistency in your edit. So it's like, you know, these are all great images, but they don't feel like they flow. And, uh, and dude, I, I love the fact that at least from what I can see your post process is a very minimal part of the artistic process. Like you're shooting with compositional finished product in mind. Yeah. So, okay. So give us some advice then. Like you've got, you've got a photographer that has been at this for two or three years, four or five, maybe years. And they're starting to get to the point where it's like stylistically, they want to feel more confident with who they are. And you just, you just, had the opportunity to sit back and look at your own work and say like, Hey, I found that, but I don't even know when I found that. Right. Like it yeah. just, it just <laughs> like happened. How, how can you, how can these photographers find some confidence in the fact that like that will happen for them?
1: It's the, it's the hardest thing to, to say and give like a definite answer. But I really do think just kind of sitting in who you are and holding on to it the whole time. I know like, especially just stereotypically through our lives, especially coming up through high school when you're trying to figure out who you are, but on the same end, everyone's trying to tell you to be like, you know, like this or that, or Everyone, you get the jocks and the goths and the whatever, like everything gets sectioned off. And we, I think we grow up and we stay in that too. So when we get into our art, we're immediately like, oh, well, I want to be the elopement photographer or I want to be whatever, um... But you have to unapologetically just be you, which again, we talked about it earlier, like with my composition and stuff, where it's just like, I'm going to shoot this thing. I'm going to find a thing that's different. I'm gonna find a thing that's me. And for a while, too, it's it's hard, especially especially when you're not quote unquote, somebody because, yeah. The, the weird transition for me recently now has been so many people like, oh, wow, your work. Oh, oh, John. I remember before I'd be shooting stuff and people were like, why are you doing that? What am I doing? Does <laughs> that yeah. doesn't look good? And you're just like, and yeah, you have to, you have to find the middle ground of understanding, taking feedback. There's always feedback, regardless of how you feel about your work. There's always something. I always take the perspective of like, what can I learn from this? So even if someone's hating, really take it and be like, hmm, what is their perspective? What can I learn from this? Now, I still can be like, well, they're just hating and Throw it away. But I still want to, There, there's something, something in there I'm sure I can learn from. So there's that thin line. And then also the other side of it of being like, no, that is not me. And you're wrong. You know, having those two places of being confident, like, I know this is OK and good. And what makes you more confident in it is taking the bits you can from any type of feedback, like straight on haters who literally aren't giving you any good constructive criticism and people who actually care and will give you constructive criticism. Take all of that and then take you and then mesh it together to be like, you know, I know I'm a good photographer. I understand cameras. Like on that sense, just photography. I know that. So I can piece together my feedback differently than just being like oh no i'm not doing it like everyone else well i know what i'm doing is okay it's almost like um and it's not a technique that he created but um ryan brenizer with the the brenizer method you know like that's not he didn't people have done it before he just popularized it but it's the same thing i i guarantee you the like technical perfect photographers it's like i call them where everything you know iso always is a hundred and no offense to anybody but you know they're, crop, The crop junkies that yell at you for the fact yeah. that it's like, your horizon is off by one degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, Ryan's over here like, I'm going to take a hundred millimeter lens and take multiple photos and mm-hmm. combine them because mm-hmm. now it's wide, but the background's blurry. People were probably like, bro, why? Why don't you yeah. just use a wide lens? You know, like mm-hmm. that was the first thing they thought. But now here we are. I remember I remember when I first learned the Brenizer technique. It was like 2006, and it's all I did. I was like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing. You know, but it's that kind of he knew that technically he was taking good photos. Yeah. His clients were happy. And at the end, he liked the effect he got. So regardless, I'm sure, you know, there's feedback you can take and learn from it. But at the same end, it's like technically I'm not wrong. So and that's how you get people who do – um. I don't know what that technique's called. The drone photographer. Have you seen those shots where they, there's like a couple and it's a drone shot. And then the background like scoops into almost like inception. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah like, you know, like someone yeah. had to, you have it's to it's you have, have to figure be confident in yourself to do something like that cuz yeah. no one's going to everyone's going to be like what are you doing that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But then you make the photo and now everyone's like, "Well, the coolest thing." Or like a lot of double exposures they're doing now. Yeah. They're getting so so creative with double
0: exposures. Jonas Rask
1: the oh stuff that you're goodness.
0: like you're just mind blown. You're like, "Whoa, your your two images are better than 20 of mine and and they're <laughs> yeah. all in one." Yeah.
1: Okay, but you so know, like you can't do that unless you're like you just have to try it. Enough. Yeah. yeah there, just there's just be like, courage. Like I just know where courage. I'm at. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so do you have, I mean, this is such a big part of this podcast. Is everything always pointing back to community? Like, do you have a group of people, like a, a, a set group of people that you lean on um, creatively? Like, I know that you clearly, you're very independent, right? And you kind of look at your own stuff and say like, no, 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 this is good for me, or this is bad for me. But do you have a community that you that you feel like you can
1: kind of leverage to, you know, keep you accountable for that stuff? Honestly, I personally would say that's probably one of the places where I'm lacking the most is community. Yeah, Um, I have enough community. So again, like our chat group, you, Phil Porto, um, there's a lot of people that I definitely lean on. And there's people who I value their opinions way more than anyone else's. But I don't feel like I have a tight knit community enough yet. Um, But that does help again because even even us talking now, having someone else give you perspective on your because I'm I'm fairly self aware, but you know you always have a blind spot, especially to yourself. So to have someone else sit down and be like, "This is what I see about you," like even like you talking about boldness and being different, and I know. I know that I have always been literally like a, I, you know, if everyone's in a line this way, I almost purposely will be like, I'm not going in that line. Mm-hmm. I have to first go over here and then be like, okay, there's nothing here. Let me go mm-hmm. to the line. But it's like, I will purposely line. go the other direction. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's great hearing someone say that and being like, huh, I never thought about that, but it's true. Or you're like, oh, so bold. And I was like, hmm, that's true. Cause I, am unapologetically just like here it is You I, either like it or you
0: don't. I think it helps having somebody that can, that can view your work like that and can kind of help you pick out like, you know, for, for a lot of our, a lot of the guests in here, but also just a lot of my friends. So I, I keep mentioning this, but like, like last, last week's episode was with Dawn. Right. And I was telling her that I was like, I think, I think your superpower is empathy. Like I see, I see your clients lives through their photos um, and they, I can I can almost feel them breathing. Like it, their your photos almost look like they're moving because yeah. because people are so perfectly confident inside of their own skin when she shoots. And and yeah, I think I think community is such a big part of that. Though is is having people, um, and it's a hard thing to find these days. It's hard. It's because. Because we are, we're probably the most connected we've ever been as an industry, and yet we're the most isolated we've ever been. I, I mentioned this in, in my Facebook group um, yesterday. Actually, I mentioned this in my Facebook group. I made this post where I said, like, you know, hey, I just clicked over into the Facebook Wedding Photographers Facebook group. Uh, you know, the one that has like fifty-one thousand angry people in it. And <laughs> I hate those groups. And then I and then I commented <laughs> over. I posted over in my own in my own Facebook group in the photographic collective group, and I was like. I'm realizing that often that's all it takes for me to know how important this group is. Is like go yeah. over and see the, how toxic and how angry and how cynical so many people have become about this industry. Yeah. And it's those those pixel peepers like that you were talking about the people that are like so quick to take an image that you know somebody's really proud of and it's it may be imperfect you know but it like that's okay. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay for artists to be at different places in their career, but, yep. but they just get shredded, you know, like I, and I, I worst. hate it. From, I don't know if if you, I, I can't even go in those groups. Cause I get so anxious. Like I feel like I need to defend people, but then what I yeah. end up doing is I feel like I need to defend horrible photography. Cause I'm like, you're not wrong. This work is really poorly shot. Like it's really poorly done, but like we don't have to attack their character about that, you know. Like exactly it, it would be okay to just write in and say, like, hey, you know, spot color sepia is not really like a thing right now, <laughs> but but like keep just you just keep going. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> um, well, dude, it just it means it means a lot to me. I know um, I'm assuming I'll see you in Vegas here in a few weeks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's two weeks. Is that three? right? Isn't that wild? Oh um, yeah, I know. Um, but man, I, it just means like, it, it means a lot to me to spend time with, with friends like you, honestly, where I, I get to say like, I haven't done this yet and I probably should. And, and, but you just mentioned this, like you, you feel like photographers, every photographer should go through that moment where they look at their own work. Yeah. They pick out their bangers and they sit back and say like, oh dude, I got it. And you know, what's funny is I did that for my, my ex-photographer portfolio, right? When, when Fuji was like, okay, we want, like, we want your, for the global site, we need your best yeah. images. And I sat back and I was like, dang, like, all right, these kind of live on their own. But I think I'm going to send them over to you. I'm not kidding. I think I'm going to do that because I, I would love to hear, and I don't want you to just puff me up. I want to know your perspective on my work. I think, it, I think that's a really valuable thing for us to do for each other um, yeah, in this industry. Definitely. To say like, you know, hey... Your blues are super inconsistent, Miles. You should, you should figure out how to shoot blue. <laughs> um, and it's true, I do struggle with blue. Um, okay, man. Well, so hey, as we wrap up, dude, this is a whole. It's a whole podcast full of people that are like just. Uh, as a general rule, I would say most of these people are just pursuing purpose. Like that's the mm-hmm. whole the whole point of this podcast is like just the positivity of it. I don't care what gear you shoot. Um, it's ironic because both of us are a part of a pro team and yet you almost never hear us, but you almost never hear us say like, get out there and grab the GFX 100S. Yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> or a more dynamic experience with your, right? Like, I I want to hear from you the last thing. Like, what is something that every photographer could do to just embrace their their role in in who they are as a you know like as a capture artist
1: mm. oh my goodness, there's a big question yeah, it's
0: a big question. I want one piece of advice for every person that touches a camera
1: so many angles to take too <laughs> that's an ironic answer um. <laughs> yeah, pardon, turn no. Um I think just to, you know, yeah, I I kind of talk about this when I talk about YouTube, but now that I think about it, I think it's just a creative thing in general. Is a, a lot of people talk about like defining your why. I don't. I don't think that's the best way to put it because. I know whenever someone tells me to define the why, I'm like, I don't understand (laughs) what is why, but figure out what, like what you want to do, what you want to impact. It's kind of like earlier I was talking about how I want to be an anchor on my couple's marriages. Um, That's like a pivotal part of what I do with my photography, which is what kind of guides how I take my photos um, it guides how I, like you were saying, like I'm a third party, the the memories are from my perspective, but I'm trying to make my perspective like in love, like I want to be in love with the moment so that that's happened. So I was able to get there because I early on defined what I wanted to do. Like I want to support your marriage I, I want to almost be like the, uh, the officiant, you know, like I'm the second person to the officiant, mm-hmm. they make it official and I capture it officially. I guess, no, there you go. If that makes sense. So it's the same thing. Like no matter what style or genre of photography you're doing, even if it's not like for people, let's say like landscape and let's say your purpose is like, maybe you're really into, you know, saving the earth and global warming and stuff. So your purpose is like, I want you to see and feel how beautiful the world is. And if that is your anchor, it makes it much easier for you to flow through your work, knowing that I'm trying to show people how beautiful this earth is before we destroy it. And so that's, that's what I would say to any photographer, you know, do your homework, figure out, you know, the nuts and bolts and the, the shooting in manual versus whatever, like, you know, know that and then keep it in the background and lean on your anchor. Mm. Like figure out what keeps you grounded and why you want to do this.
0: Dude, I love that. I, I think there's so much depth in just saying that, like, yeah, just pursue purpose. Just find find out why your angle, why why the way that you see the world could maybe not even should
1: but could yeah. matter to somebody else yeah because that's the thing it only needs to matter to literally one other person that's it like you you don't yeah. have to become big and everyone's just if you change one person's life because they saw your photo and they were like oh my goodness
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Done it. that's it. that goes straight back to the idea of like you know good good photo- like talented photographers intentional photographers save marriages um Man, what a, what a, uh, dude, we just went full circle. I think we just wrapped this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put a score on the... I did it.
0: Vir- virtual <laughs> high five. Man, I'm so, John, I dude, I, I realized this. And and then you just reiterated this like a hundred times during this recording. You have got so many things on your plate. And uh, I'm so grateful that you that you took an hour away to just sit and like chat and hang with me. It means a lot. Um, yeah, no problem. It's fun, dude. I, I mean, and I, I think, um, you know, guys, if you, if you've made it this far into this episode, if you haven't been a, a quitter yet, then I, I'll leave you with this, obviously in the show notes and, and all of that stuff, there's, there's every way that you can interact that you can, you know, drop, drop uh, uh, John, a, a DM or, you know, connect with him, go see his work, go do all that stuff. But I feel like the industry at large is so quick to say like, you know, like follow and smash my face and like all of this stuff. But, (laughs) but here's what I want you guys to get out of this is like, I'm just miles and I've done a few cool things in my career and I've been to some cool places and I've shot some cool people, but what makes me special is not the, the, the doors that having a camera has opened. It's been the ability to build relationships uh, with people that I look up to. And I think that John is, is, is very similar in that sense. Like John is, he's pursuing relationships and, and purpose um, in a way that will last long beyond, you know, his career holding a camera. And so, dude, I'm just uh, really grateful for you uh, and excited to see you in a couple of weeks. Um, yes. What's your, but, you know, as you sign off, as you tell everybody, go away, what's what's the um, what's the plan for WPPI? Are you doing anything cool? Anything exciting? Anything that people can like jump in and be a part of?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm teaching a whole bunch of classes, actually. Um, and I might try and do something on my own as well. I haven't decided that yet. But, you know, come check me out. I'm speaking at the Wedding Summit I'm also speaking about YouTube and video. I'm also showing how I uh, record my BTS video as well. Um, so all that stuff is at WPPI, and I'll also be there. I love to just chat with people. Yeah. Again, like Miles was just saying, like for me, this is not like like and subscribe. Like I would love to talk to you. Like find me on the show floor. Tell me about your life. You know, ask me questions. I'm an open book. I'm a- I'm almost too much of an open book. So. <laughs> you get you can find uh john at the
0: weird little bar next to the volcano in the mirage and buy him a beer then yeah um cool I think I will uh dude all right man well i just uh super grateful for you i really appreciate you um and uh yeah dude i, I know on on behalf honestly of of this this whole wild wild quickly growing community that i i don't even know how i started. Uh, now we all look up to you. So it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. Guys, if you, if you haven't had the opportunity yet, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we always release these on iTunes and Spotify first, but click over and, uh, and check out how freaking beautiful John Branch is on YouTube. Um, <laughs> like the dude it's just it, his hoodie perfectly matches the background it's a <laughs> it's a special i've styled all the way through <laughs> dude, and i'm like this i i have to go i don't even know if i'm gonna post it because this scrim is, is this light on my face is so bad but it's okay we're i'm just feeling angsty about how much better looking you are than i am so <laughs> <laughs> all right my man um well i'll uh, we'll chat soon okay
1: awesome all right buddy
0: appreciate you